Girls and the Legmen! Hello and welcome to another episode of When in the J-Man. Today's episode is going to be Finances with Wolves. It was Season 1, Episode 18. And with me, as always, is the fantastic Winslow. <laughs> good to be back. Good to uh, good to finally be back on these airwaves, Josh. Not really airwaves, though. I guess we're just we're just talking in the computer. But nonetheless, it's good to be. Uh, it's good to hear the sound of your voice through a recorded device or personal airwaves. That's right, man. And that is if that's not the point of podcasting, so that two young men can reconnect and enjoy and refoster their long lost love of American Dad. Then I don't know what technology's for anymore, man. Well, before we begin, I do want to explain and apologize to any of our listeners that have been listening to any of the previous episodes. I know that we are very few and far between in our episode release dates, and that is definitely on my end as an editor. But we are hoping that this is kind of going to be our reboot, our return to a more consistent sort of form. And if you are still with us for the fourth episode or you got that notification that you got a new episode and you want to listen, we appreciate you listening and we hope to bring you some great, uh, some quality podcasts in the next couple of next couple of weeks. Only the best. <laughs> I knew I could count on you to have a very uh, a just just really sum up exactly what I was saying. And it really will be. It'll be you know the best American Dad podcast that it could possibly be. Best podcast it could possibly be. And I think the one I think the episode we chose is a great one to kind of reboot this uh, this podcast with. We've got finances with the wolves. The original air date being January 29th of 2006. Directed by Albert Caleros, the Cleveland Show and Disenchantment. With writers Neil Bushel, who did Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and the famous Jet Jackson. And, and his writing partner, Sam O'Neill. Um, you might be too young for famous Jet Jackson. Josh, do you remember, do you remember I, any of that on Disney Channel at all? Is that ring I a bell? Do not. That's what all right, man. That? So it was basically one of these uh, – I'm trying to remember the name of the guy that – that starred in him, but he was a, he was one of those, he was one of those Disney stars that died like tragically young. Uh, Lee Thompson Young is his name. And, and so he was, I want to say just a, like a secret agent or something like that. That was a real kind of kick in the, kick into the past for me. And made me think of things like smart guy and sister, sister, and all those other things you catch on the Disney channel or UPN when they went into syndication. So I did Fun watch times. Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but Salem was a weird character. Would you agree? I mean, now that we're much older and we realize, oh, how did they make that cat talk? Well, they basically just stuffed a cat and made his mouth move. Like it was, it was pretty low technology, but nonetheless, fun. Sabrina wasn't what she is now. Have you have you seen any of this Sabrina on Netflix at all? I have not. I have avoided that to try and keep somewhat of a reasonable hold <laughs> on that. Did you read the Archie comics growing up, though? I mean, do you are you pretty familiar with those characters, or is that something where you're just like I couldn't be bothered? Uh, I mean, the so my only introduction to it was the animated show. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, right. I forgot there was an animated show. Yeah, that was probably the weirdest one, but that's the uh, you know that's my whole basis is from what I watched with that. Yeah, there was that time in the in kind of early two thousands where they did a couple like. Archie-style animated stuff. There was Archie Teenage Mysteries or something like that. Of course, now we are we are getting a whole new level of art. This ain't my Archie, that's for sure, man. This All these teenagers being sexy and getting into jail and 
Luke Perry. That's just that's not my Archie. Hashtag not my Archie. It just isn't, man. I'm, 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 I know I sound like an old coot, but it's true. It's just boy, this is these are that's not my Jughead. Jughead ain't sexy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> With a name like that, I would oh not God. expect him to be. No, absolutely not. Absolutely, you expect him to be a fucking goofball, but. Nonetheless, we at the WB, you got to do what you, or the CW, I guess is what it's called now. Yeah, I really do sound like an old coot now. I need to stop. Yeah, at the, at the CW, you just got to just gotta put a little spice, put a little flavor to that sort of situation. I mean, I just remember their greatest hit being that good old Charlie Sheen, Two and a Half Men. You're going to have to connect the dots for me on that one. The CW used to have a oh, Two and a Half right. Men on it. Oh, I thought I could have sworn that was a CBS thing, but either way, it was it was broadcast TV for sure. It was, might have been both. Actually, they, they probably switched from well, know, back and forth. I know that I know that CW basically picked up, especially in the afternoons, like a lot of syndicated shows. Like I remember the Simpsons were on CW and syndication and stuff like that. So and they probably two and a half men is just one of those shows that just you could basically package it from season one and just sell it to whatever TV station you wanted to. Yeah. The same, that's, I mean, that's the same guy who did like big bang theory. Like you can see big bang theory pretty much on a lot of different kind of afternoon shows now. Yeah. That was kind of tossed around Chuck Lorre, man. I, I enjoyed, I will say this is as we're already off subject, let's go farther off subject. Um, I, I enjoyed the first season of Big Bang Theory, and I know that that doesn't mean much because there's like been 19 of them now, and so I couldn't possibly understand or or figure out what's happening to the characters or what hasn't happened to the characters at this point. But I like season one of the Big Bang Theory. I, I'm, it's, a, it's a funny show. It was, it, it was good for nerd culture and just kind of overstayed its welcome, just like a lot of successful network TV shows. How many seasons does it have? I, I honestly couldn't tell you. I would say it probably came out when I was a junior in high school. So however long it's been since I was a junior in high school. Um, Dear God. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, man. It, it really doesn't feel that long. I feel like that's one of those shows that was around for a bit, but wasn't, you know, Two thousand first, first first episode date was two thousand and seven. Final episode date was two thousand and nineteen. Jesus, put that in, yeah, put that into context, man. That is it's twelve seasons of of television right there. That is unheard of. In the that standpoint. doesn't feel good. Well, so that you know what else doesn't make me feel good is is looking at the air date of this American Dad episode. I I looked at that and I thought, good lord, like. And our first episode air date for American Dad period was 2005. So this is one year later. This is, I think, season one, episode, I'll say 18, it looks like. Um, and I mean, yeah, this is this is early on American Dad that was that is extraordinarily old. And that's kind of one of the reasons it's great to do a podcast about something like this is that there are differences between the old shows and the new shows. And this is a really, really old show and it, it shows man. Cause they're still figuring out who their characters are. It, you know, this is Klaus with murderous intent to sleep with Francine. <laughs> How many eggs should I have before plowing your wife? <laughs> oh, cause this, I, this, I will say this is the, the reason I chose this particular episode is because it is uh, one of the first ones that I ever watched. And to show how old this particular episode is, 
the way in which I watched it and rewatched it countless times. In fact, I, I forgot how many parts of this I could just basically quote off the top of my head uh, was through recording it on a VCR and then oh. rewatching the tape. Yep. 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 That's so that this was a, a giant dose of nostalgia for me. This is I'm done playing star Wars battlefront for a little while. My mix CD that I just burned with windows media player has just finished its first rotation with the 10 songs I put on it. And now I'm ready to sit back and watch some American dad. So it was a great nostalgia trip for me. <laughs> I, I gotta where were, say, where were when, you in 2006? <laughs> 2006. Yeah. Would you have been a freshman in high school or would you have been, what would you have been? You would have been, that was middle a junior school. high. Yeah, dude. You'd have been a junior high student back then. Did you were you aware of American Dad in junior high? Do you remember at oh, all? Oh yeah. I remember being told you're not allowed to watch it. It's <laughs> right. That was Simpsons, Family Guy, and American Dad. And I'll be honest, I I rewatched I'm I'm in those rewatching season one of, of Family Guy. Yeah. Um, there are jokes that uh, even as a 13 year old, that, that was, there was, there was too much. The Simpsons had kind of staled out by that point. And anyone that watches past season 10, God bless you. And, and long may you run, but those stale out, they don't get as edgy. Whereas family guy was hella edgy for 2005, 2006, especially if you're in junior high or high school. So no, no reason to understand why American dad wouldn't also be. I mean, I'd say they brought that edginess over to American Dad, and that's kind of where they let it lie, as opposed to keeping it on Family Guy. Like, they still have some, but it's not as far-fetched. I feel like this is their if-it-dies-it-dies type yeah, show. That was, and then the Cleveland show became that, and then Border Town, or I mean, Seth MacFarlane has had a couple of these now in his run at Fox. He's been able to kind of give these shows a run and see if they work, and this one has uh, for a various number of reasons, and one of them is because of the great characters that we get, and boy, are we introduced to them right off the bat. We enter into the mall, and the whole family is there, minus, minus Klaus, who will still play a big role in this episode, but they're all just standing there, and they're just talking about, you know, Haley is, is spouting her, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe that, that they built this land on native grounds and they're defiling a once proud people and they've turned him into this mascot, cheap shop, sheep shopaholic. Shop I loved that whole piece. <laughs> too. Oh man. My favorite one was the, the first joke of cheap shopaholic where he's just like flat screen TV on sale for $42,000 or as we call it, maze. <laughs> <Just like, laughs> <laughs> but also like was extraordinarily racist. Let us not forget that is, that is probably the, the how delicious bit. I was just like, Oh man. Yeah. This is a show from 2006 and they got away with saying stuff like that. And then we get to Steve kind of just very boredly like, or something like, you know, well, you know, your father spent is spending his bonus and, or I can't remember how they set up Stan, but Steve is very like bored and he just goes, and we whine to reveal only stupid people would buy this stuff. Or ah, something that's like right. That. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yes. Like, and widen to reveal. Yes. Steve is, Steve has moved on at this point. This is a great, I, I will say one of the reasons I love this episode is because every character gets their own storyline basically. And Steve's storyline is very much like, he is a teenage boy, but he's growing in sarcasm because that's a very sarcastic sort of line. And they're trying to go beyond his basic potential storytelling of just he's just girl crazy and a dork and awkward teenager. So I love it when he's sarcastic. It was a nice little bit. 
So I was going to say, what's your favorite prop that they use in this? You've got the rocket boot. You've got the money jacket. You've got the golden rake, the <laughs> the fork, the flavor flav clock, and the it's a flavor flav clock. It's the clock. It has to be the clock, man. Um, just because that was the same type of that was the same time that like Flavor Flaves, whatever it was, the VH1 show where he was looking for love. Uh, yeah, the clock's the most important one to me. How about you? What did you think that was your your favorite prop on that list of things he bought was? Personally, I always love the frog. Strictly from the standpoint that I always loved the uh, WB frog. <laughs> Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Michigan J Frog, man. Uh, yeah, because right. that was the one thing that killed me was the video of the kid like playing around with a uh, dead frog, and he's got it on a marionette strings, and it just like comes out of the box. <laughs> Hello, my baby. Hello, Hello my honey. My... <laughs> Hello, my ragtime gal. Send me a kiss by wire, oh, baby. My heart's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> that was by far one of my favorites. <laughs> this is a classic. That is a classic Looney Tunes episode, and it and a one-off. You never saw Michigan J Frog ever again in any of those cartoons. He just he just had that one bit, and that poor man that tried to make money off of that frog. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, so the one the one thing I did get a giggle out of, I was doing the trivia research on the wiki page and. Uh, someone said, someone pointed out that when Stan shows the family the robot frog he purchased, he is actually speaking the mainland dialect of Mandarin Chinese to it, yeah. not Taiwanese <laughs> dialect, as he claimed. Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> what language was he speaking <laughs> when he right. was talking to the it's frog? A, that's the thing is, it's he's talking about a dialect. It's not even a, it's not even a different language. It's just a different way of speaking it. You know, like in Taiwanese dad. Stan said he spoke to the he spoke to the frog in Southern America, but really his dialect was Midwestern. But yes, yeah, so he and he has all this money to spend because and this is such a this is such an early American dad. We are going to take shot after shot at the Bush administration because it's easy it's easy comedy. Stan's bonus is because he gave the most evasive <laughs> he gave the most evasive testimony to Congress. <laughs> And so they gave him $20,000. And I thought to myself, because I am the history nerd that I am, I was like, I wonder what $20,000 would be nowadays. And thanks to inflation, with a 28% inflation, it'd be about $2,500 or $25,000. So, so, you know, it's not too bad for giving some evasive testimony to Congress. <laughs> I, I'd give a testimony for twenty five k. Are you kidding me? <laughs> An evasive testimony, which means you wouldn't give any testimony. <laughs> And of course, it is at this moment that we get kind of the the plot um, movement really starts turning because Francine looks and she sees an empty kiosk and she tells Stan that it's always been her dream to own a kiosk and she just needed someone that believed in her and would give her a little startup capital. And so we begin we begin the long line to probably my favorite Probably my favorite American dad joke in my 20s. The one that it took me a long, long time to get. But God almighty, is it funny. So do you do you remember how the how the progression goes of the 80s pop stars that she tries to get money, tries to get some some startup from? I don't know the first guy. Adam Ant. Uh, yeah. Who is that? So Adam Ant was a like relatively successful kind of glam pop, like David Bowie style type of dude in like the mid 80s in Britain. 
So okay. we, have, we have we have Adam Ant, and then who else are the? Are you kidding? I only have like eight dollars. <laughs> then it goes Adam to Ant. like ZZ Top. <laughs> That's right, with the fingers. <laughs> and then, and this is the joke. This is the joke that went way over my head when I was thirteen years old. Went way overhead for a good part of my twenties until I probably started hanging out with the Dalton Crew and they listening to classic rock. Um, Dexy's Midnight Runners, man, that is a fucking great joke because I, yeah, the idea of she's not getting a dime. What was that name of that girl again, lads? I think she said her name was Eileen. And he starts humming, come on, Eileen. <laughs> it's going to be one of the best segues into a into a joke for it. <laughs> it really is. And like, it's just, it's just subtle enough that it's going to get away from the, the censors. Cause the censors aren't going to figure out what the joke is unless they're Dexy's midnight runners fans in 2006 when iTunes is still getting off the ground. So <laughs> all of a sudden they're joke. now they're looking back and they're like, wait a second. <laughs> that son of a bitch got one past us. That's filthy. so one of the other things that i okay so this inconsistency in the plot and i know that i I know that i'm pointing out an inconsistency and i hope you'll bear with me as i do so but it seems very strange that francine's dream is apparently just to own a kiosk and not necessarily to own a muffin kiosk because like steve takes the muffins he's like Great, I can sell these to my friends for popcorn. And she's like, people would buy my muffins? Oh, that's what I'll use the kiosk for. It's like, what the fuck? How what kind of backward ass logic is that? For she just wants a she just wants a kiosk? Her dream was always to own a kiosk. Didn't really matter what was in it. <laughs> Cause like, think about what are some of the what are some of the mall kiosks you remember? Because Dalton had a mall, yes. Dalton had a mall Yes. Too. My so, god. So what were some of the mall kiosks of your youth? I'm I'm very curious. <laughs> All the ones that we had were like the shitty phone cover ones and yeah. the people like throwing shit on the floor. And Shit on the floor. Like, Good lord. Yeah, you don't remember that? It was like a squishy ball that they'd like throw on the floor. Oh, like, well, right, you right. can throw this shit anywhere. Splat. <laughs> like, okay, so we were at uh we went to Gatlinburg fairly mm-hmm. recently. One of the ladies that was there outside had one of the uh you remember the little Barbie on a pull spring, you you pull it, the arms go out and it flies up into the air. Yes. Oh my god. It had God-like. like one of those. So, like, the first time I saw it, I was like, what the fuck? And she just kept doing it over and over again. Like, not really a reason to it. And, like, she she didn't even, like, not even selling anything. But she was out there for a solid two, three nights. And there were still absolutely no signs to buy anything. And so it, it just looked like, okay, I guess people are supposed to go up there and ask and be like, oh, wow, that's so totally cool. Where the hell did you get that? Like, oh, you just want to go on down to the store, and it's pretty cute over there. But why, why are you flicking it up? Because she uh, she hit two cars with it. I mean, Did it's not really? heavy enough to, like, <laughs> dent anything. No, but still, if your driver's like, holy hell, what the hell was that? <laughs> yeah, like, if, if I saw someone flicking something, and it hit my car, I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Right? Call the cops on your ass. I'm, I have no problem being a Karen. I'd be like, lady, you need to need to apologize. <laughs> Who do you work for, ma'am? Who do you work for, ma'am? Ma'am, um, can I see your ID, ma'am? This is a very serious matter, and I hope that you understand why I'm having to call who I'm having to call. This is a Mazda rental. I hope you understand. And uh, this Mazda rental was rented under my insurance, which 
is just getting started after my husband's accident. So I hope that you feel terrible about this with your little game, your little child's toy. Karen, of course, wasn't driving, mind you. She was sitting in the passenger seat. That's why she's drunk. <laughs> she had her driver. Oh, no. No, no, no. She, she had, she, she had one of the gals pick her up from the margarita store or the margarita uh, store, the Mexican restaurant. <laughs> fucking Margaritaville uh, right there. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, again, she's bringing back to the kiosk, man. There was, those were the sorts of wild things that you saw in the mall, man, was the trampolines everywhere. What? Every single the trampolines? time. Trampolines. What are you talking about? You pay like ten bucks and you get like <clears throat> to five minutes of jumping on like this trampoline. Ah, uh, like, yeah, yeah. There was that. Uh, we had like the world's worst merry-go-round, which did not accommodate my size as a twenty-five-year-old uh, male, and I find it very disgusting that they wouldn't. Did you did you watch a lot of scary movies as a teenager? This because this is the soiling. I I definitely don't have fond memories of that. But then again, all the R-rated movies that I snuck into or whatever, or PG-13 movies that I went into, were all just like, it was for sex or swearing. It was never for horror. I was never a bitch of a horror fan. How about you? Never really that big on horror. Like, the, the scariest thing, I mean, of course, I was allowed to watch was Adventures in Odyssey. So, not really the the scariest of shows. I would disagree. I would say Mr. Was it Edwin Blaggard or which, whichever Mr. Mr. Blaggard. Um, oh God. Terrifying man. There's some, there's some genuine, there's some genuine peril on those shows. There was adventures in Odyssey. Mm-hmm. And then there was the like Christian book ones where it was like an even more off brand version of that. And then you got like veggie tales. Oh uh, Yes. The old standard Veggie Tales, man. The, that was that was a phenomenon, honestly. And then, again, like if you were, you know, if it's 1998 and some dude comes to your company, comes to your TV company or whatever, and it's just like we teach the kids the Bible, but with fruits and vegetables. Like, how quickly are you showing him the door, man? Nobody, whoever took a chance on that, bravo. That is that is either just this, that is either the most brilliant businessman of all time, or that is a dude that was just like, huh, huh, the tomatoes, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Chad. That's it all is I very can funny. <laughs> Tomato gonna talk to me. It's like yes, yes he is. Yes he is, Chet. And you know what? As the owner of Big Blue Entertainment, you have the right to have him talk to you. Uh, gosh, I don't know. Let's say let's start with a 16 episode. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, let's go ahead and sign a five year deal so we, they can come. They can come talk to you for the next four years, buddy. <laughs> and, you know, I really think we got to address the real big elephant in the room with VeggieTales. All right. Is VeggieTales technically an anime? No. Oh, absolutely not. No, 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 no. 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 As it is a animation. Argue, argue Some would argue that it is. Okay. Uh, tell me tell me a reason why people would argue that VeggieTales is an anime. It is an animation? So Looney Tunes is technically an anime by that by that logic. Yes. Looney Tunes is not an anime, man. Anime is anime is Japanese cartoons that are drawn with a certain style. You know what That's I mean? That's because you have such an uppity feeling about your shows. It is technically an anime. It is an American bastardization of an anime, but it is an animation. Oh my god, I am, I, I am. Okay, so first and foremost, Mister Mister Anime, I know that you're. 
I know that you're playing a character and I have, I have, I have grievances with your character <laughs> because I know that, that your character is an embodiment of someone right now that is screaming at their, at their radio or their Bluetooth speakers being like, he's wrong. He's wrong. Vicky <laughs> Kelsey, so, not an anime. So listen here. Y'all listen here real quick. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you a little something, something. Japanese animation as we know it, anime did not really did not really perfect itself until the mid fifties and mid sixties. Looney Tunes has been around since the 1930s, man. I would, I'd be very hard pressed and I'm not an expert on Japanese animation. If someone is, and someone wants to take the time, by all means prove me wrong. But I know that Americans have been doing animation before the Japanese. And so to be like, Oh, let's just put a Japanese term on everything. That's animation would be like, Oh, let's just put a, you know, the German word for movie on every single genre of movie. There are different genres and I love animes. I think you and I, I think you and I have had some good moments watching Trigun, and God, we love the Boondocks. So yeah, I mean, those oh, are an, those are animes, and you can do an anime and be an American anime, but Veggie Tales is not American. Anime. Boondocks, one of the best shows. Absolutely, man. Because you know, when you watch it, the love is instantaneous and unconditional, which is also what Roger says in the Maternity War. I just love that <laughs> line. <laughs> <laughs> It really is, man. It's one of my favorite lines. It's somehow weirdly stuck with me. And I've never I, – I'm, I'm probably years out from having a child, but I'm gonna, that's going to be a line I'm actually going to remember. Like, oh, my God, it's true what they say. Love is unconditional <laughs> and instantaneous. I love that he constructs from Maternity Ward, too. It reminds me of that Mad Men episode where Don is in the Maternity Ward, and he's, he strikes up a conversation with the other father, and just, the whole episode is just him smoking in the Maternity Ward room. <laughs> It was a Betty episode. <laughs> it was her issues with childbirth. Don was just sitting there smoking, causing a storm, and saying some deep things. <laughs> Jesus. I loved it. I loved the whole pouring champagne into the uh, sea monkeys. So what What was the appeal to sea monkeys? Like, in, in general, I've, I've seen them. I know people who have had them. It's like what? What does it do? It just sits there in the bowl and you let it grow, or it's real man. It's literally just yeah. It's like a precursor to fish. You just you let it live for a couple of days and then it dies. But you know you show that you're responsible enough to take care of an animal. And of course uh, the the thing is with sea monkeys, man, they sold that as such a like sea. Pe- There's a great South Park episode where Cartman thinks that the sea people are going to come and take him and they're going to play basketball and they're going to have fun. <laughs> and like that's how they advertised it. They advertised it like build your own sea civilization. And you thought it was going to be something like that. And it's just like it's krill, man. It's just krill. It was, show- you know, his parents being like, I don't know if Timmy's ready for a dog. I don't even think he'd, he'd survive with a betta fish. So sea monkeys it was, man. That was that was a many a many a birth. Birthday and many a Christmas present for many a person that just put the bunny down, Lenny. <laughs> God. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> we go outside, we widen to see Haley. She's sitting there and she puts her puts her ear to the earth to hear Mother Gaia oh. and all you hear is the deer trampling over her and she meets the most wonderful character. I've got to say, this is probably one of my favorite side characters, especially to come up in the early seasons. Mm-hmm. Is the dude in the flower plot? <laughs> I'm finding a doctor in Sweden that'll replace my, <laughs> my testes with acorns. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're hardcore. <laughs> uh, 
And then they just start blowing and he waves his arms. He's like, that's right. His little, his friends that just constantly follow him around there. He got the, he got the dude that's wearing the leaf as a hat. You got the, you got the Jamaican kind of overweight Jamaican dude wearing the Rasta hat. Like it's the perfect, it's exactly what you'd expect. If somebody in their crew was pretending to be, or was trying to be a tree. So I did want to say, did you yeah. catch the danger explosives in the maternity ward? No, what? In the back right of it. As Roger kneels down, you see danger explosives after he pushes everything over and he starts crying. <laughs> I totally didn't get that. I'll have to go back and rewatch that. That's fantastic. It's like I, I always felt like they would go into more of something with it, which I guess that could have been foreshadowing. It's a smart group. The smart group of writers and smart director. Perhaps, perhaps we give them too much credit, but who cares? <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, no. We most definitely meant. We definitely yeah. did, and it's great because we're gonna have Albert. Col- we're gonna have Albert Calaris on here for the next episode, and so we can totally ask him about his foreshadowing uses in, in American Dad, and he will appreciate that because we will be the first to have really realized his true genius. So, so then he'll be like, you know what? Yes. I, I did mean to put that in. I am Seth, glad some young chap with a high IQ enough had found it finally. Seth wouldn't let me put it in, you see. He he said it would upset the censors, but I said that you know we were trying to be a smart TV show and we should go for the cojones. We had them. Damn the censors. <laughs> I told him we we're making high art right here, and this is exactly the sort of uh, this is the sort of highbrow material that you'd find in any sort of great anime of Japan. <laughs> Albert Caleros, which again, Albert apparently was a very steady. He was he was the director of of a lot of the early episodes. Um, Roger Codger, where Roger gets out of gets out of the house for the first time, and he did a lot of Cleveland Show, and he was apparently Seth MacFarlane's go to guy. So so if you did that, we we appreciate you, Albert. I mean, it says something to be the go to guy for that. It does. You know, you're you're thinking about the fact that this is. Especially since American Dad was not stealing the the Family Guy writers away. The Family Guy writers were still there. They were still doing their thing. Um, And especially if you look at the early – I think we've had this discussion before. But if you look at the early writers for American Dad, like there's some pretty successful names in there. There's um, the two – Carter Bays and – I forget the name of the second guy. But but two of the guys that were writers in season one would go on to make How I Met Your Brother. And then Nanachka Khan went on to do Fresh Off the Boat and The Bee in Apartment 23. Craig Thomas was the other guy. Um, the McKenna brothers, I mean, one of the McKennas went off to do Marvel movies. I mean, this is if you look at that season one writing room, that's a really smart bunch. And to be to be kind of the go-to guy amongst all those among all those other folks is is pretty cool. But that's that's one of the reasons we love that is because, you know, this there it's there are great things like the Dexie's jo- the Dexie's Midnight Runner joke and the swear jar that we'll get to in just a second. But there's also just a really talented group of people that were put on this that were not for by all accounts, it seems were not part of the family guy folks. So they were just hired because they were good writers or, or Seth clearly recognized that they were. So it's a good group. I'd, I'd put it up there against any writer's room on any TV show. And if you if you want to have a difference of opinion or if you want to tell us another great writer's room that you think it deserves a top honor, we've still got our, our Twitter account up and running. That is win and the J-Man, that is W-I-N-N-A-N-D-T-H-E-J-M-A-N. Win and the J-Man is still up and running on Twitter. We're going to get that thing back up and started. So feel free to tweet us in if you think that there are other writer's rooms that you would say, oh my gosh, how look at all this talent that was assembled. 
little interactive something for the fans to do. Josh, you have to understand. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta keep. We gotta remind. We gotta remind ourselves. You know, they're there. You know, all, plot all device, five. Mister Frodo, plot device. Plot device. Plot device. They're all. There's about five to ten of them listening. I'm sure, but we appreciate y'all. So. Let's talk about these jars. <laughs> you, it, it's, we are, we're moving into the second stage of everybody's story at this point. And, of course, the first and primary story is, of course, Francine getting trying to get the funding. And Stan says no because of his, you know, and, and in the midst of it, he's eating with his $2,000 fork. <laughs> no, it's just a regular $2,000 fork. <laughs> I mean, and that's probably one of the most, like, American things you can oh my do. God, right? Waste that's that crazy. much money on a fork. Oh, fucking fork and not even have the wherewithal to be like a fork with rechargeable batteries you know what i mean so francine is depressed and and in punching himself in by hitting himself against the bowl we have klaus and this is this is a great episode for klaus because klaus for most of season one his running joke is that he is a horny horny fish for francine and i mean there is not an episode that shows it better than this Really, there really isn't. And also that just that slight propensity for evil that Klaus has that we really lose in later seasons where he just becomes kind of the family punchy bag. In early seasons, Klaus was Klaus could go from being naughty to straight up wicked like he could in this episode. And it was great to watch him be evil and great to be reminded that the Smith family has more than one threat to this to this family stability and security and everything else. (laughs) Inside the house, because Roger in and of himself, of course, is always a threat. But having Klaus be truly evil in this character in this was very enjoyable. And so, of course, he he tells her that, you know, he tells her all these things about how he um, he's like, you know, if I had my body, I'd I'd be more than happy to give you the the money that you need. And da 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 da. And I can't remember what swear word he says. I don't even remember what swear word he says. Do you remember? I do not. But he says a swear word, and Francine is is like, nope, Klaus, put that in the jar. And we see this jar of swear words, everything from ass to bitch to my particular favorite. The overflowing jar that's full is moist. <laughs> <laughs> I know a good bit of people that genuinely hate hearing the word moist. I do too. I just didn't realize that it is so upsetting to people. I really didn't until rather recently. And so, and <laughs> so if you were a little perturbed by hearing me use the word moist i do apologize just gotta gotta wet the lips as he's doing you gotta get that real nice moist i definitely did man i, I totally licked my lips a little bit and just kind of did the eyebrow thing oh i'm sure that across the across the airwaves everyone is just having a collective shudder so all the women are shaking in their boots as slow leaned in hey. it's moist moist <laughs> That's the jar that's the most full. <laughs> that's funny to me. <laughs> that's the jar I'm going to make you full on, baby. Oh, God. <laughs> ew, ew, ew. All right, yeah, you're even making me do it. Moving on. Moving on. So we move on to Haley deciding that she's going to take action. Well, no, because in the midst of this, I've forgotten a huge plot point. I'm sorry. You probably have notes on this. But, of course, um, as they're leaving the sh- as they're leaving the soiling. <laughs> Uh, diapers full one can only imagine at this point um they are attacked by the wolf that was part of the upset group that had been displaced by the forest being uprooted now steve is the werewolf that's right a great a great secondary story i love steve as the werewolf and i love what sort of crap he goes through i love barry (laughs) like this 
And then three episodes away is the like number one Barry episode. <laughs> is the one where Barry's like secretly evil? Yeah. <laughs> that fly just went into. I said, "Shut up and get in the bottom bunk, Steve." <laughs> Those are. You're right. Barry is developing as a character in this in this set of in this season. So, and he's great. He's yeah, because you know, Snot is Snot and Toshi don't really have a lot of good jokes. Barry has the majority of the good jokes in the secondary story if they're not coming straight from Steve. And it starts with it starts with them just being in the movie theater and and Steve being like, "Hey, Barry, can I borrow your diaper? I'm kind of floating over here," which is just ugh. I'm kind of floating over here and, and and he's like, "Yeah, sure." And then something scary happens. He's like, "Sorry, occupado." <laughs> You're forgetting the best two-minute sequence of the whole show with Stan trying to find a parking spot. No, it's not yet. Not yet, because he hasn't become. Uh, he hasn't become. He hasn't raced to get to get to Klaus yet. But God Almighty, we have. I have. I have notes about that. I have some more stuff between that. But because he has to get the rocket boot first, of course. Oh yeah, that sets out the whole joke. The and and it's 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 set up very well because he's. He's surrounded by these signs that say savings and a wise investment. And he goes, I, I'm glad I had the wherewithal to put this money aside for my son's education. And then we we zoom out and it's a footlocker. And he's like, but then where would I get the money for these rocket boots? <laughs> I've got to say, personally, that's exactly how it went for me. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah that's how your family spent your, <laughs> your education money? Should, should, we, should we help our children out and give them an easier life? No, fuck them. You we had to we had to work through this shit. They can too. You had the Hope Scholarship though, man. You had didn't like if you made a certain grade, weren't you guaranteed like in state education? Yeah, but I failed Spanish. You can't have an F. Oh, dude. But we come back from the break, and and Stan is furious because he has found out that Francine has taken the five thousand dollars to to start her muffin kiosk, and he goes down and he's furious, and she pops out that. $5,000 in a single day for muffins because good morning, USA. We are living in an animated world where apparently people in 24 hours will go nuts for muffins. But also she got it by giving incorrect change. Thanks, please. <laughs> Nobody loves a good MILF muffin more than the next man. <laughs> well, they seem to like it a lot more than the hotcakes because they're selling better than the hotcakes. I was going to say the good old AIDS hotcakes. Why aren't they buying? Why aren't they buying your hotcakes, Mister AIDS? It's because I'm Irish, Jimmy. Because I'm Irish. <laughs> it's delivered with such gravitas too. Like you can see, all his soul has really been hurt by being, you know, barred out of everything because he's Irish. You can tell that was years of suffering in that delivery. We moved then from from there. I think our next thing is is. Steve being Steve's friends being afraid of his werewolf tendencies. They haven't really realized he's a werewolf yet, but they they're afraid he might be since he got weirdly and randomly attacked like that. Did you have anything in between that? Uh, we get the next phase of Haley where uh, she's got to make out with a tree and he hands her a bonsai. It's like, oh, I've actually got a redwood up in Canada. Right. I loved I loved our Boris' line of like the total because you you heard it the minute he said he's like, you have to make out with a tree. And it's like, you know, Haley, Haley would totally slut it up for our Boris. She's kind of weirdly intrigued by him. So she would probably do it. And then he's like, no, I have a redwood in Canada. <laughs> like I have a redwood in Canada. <laughs> we just go right on up into 
to Steve in the bedroom. Yeah. Barry's got a ball gag in his hands. I understand the bro, but why the kimono in the in the ball gag? Like, Barry oh, really you like that, you little bitch, don't you? And then yeah. we find out they're very progressive kinksters because the next thing he says is, <laughs> "That's what my mom says to my dad." <laughs> Uh, that one's still funny. That one still is just as funny in 2020 as it is in 2006. And it's delivered with such emphasis, too, because Barry totally slips a switch. You can tell that's years of programming of him just be like, you like that, don't you, bitch? And that's really like we never get to meet Barry's parents. We we meet Snot's, we meet Snot's mom a couple of times. Especially when Steve is trying to get boob, um, and we meet, the, and we definitely meet Toshi's parents because Toshi's whole family becomes very involved in later stories, like the one with the hot dog eating contest, where the mom was was basically challenging Francine or something like that. But we never meet Barry's parents, and we only get glimpses of them. And it seems like it's a very like it's a very horny couple <laughs> that really doesn't he either isn't aware, or just doesn't care that they have a kid. That's the thing, is we do actually meet his parents. Really? When? When? It is a season 14 through 16 episode. I know it's around there. We might have to do the Stay tuned. That might be a feature episode right there. It is It is a very good episode. While all this is going on, of course, Stan is downstairs, and he is he is sad because he is, he is without a sandwich. And he says, um, how can you leave your husband without a sandwich? It's bad business. It's bad womaning. <laughs> Again, it's not something that they could probably get away with without getting too much backlash. No, but they acknowledge it at the end. Like Francine, when she's kind of like helping stand up, she's like, you may be selfish and a misogynist. And it's like, well, you know, at least you're calling a spade a spade. <laughs> like, at least you know you're being misogynistic. I mean, it doesn't make it okay, but at least at least you're acknowledging it. So The one thing that I, I did get with it is the whole, oh, you might have to order out. That, I didn't get that. I, you know what, man? I love I love a good order out, and that's probably why I'm you know upwards of 200 pounds is because I love a good order out. But ain't nothing wrong with a little Chinese food, man. Maybe they'll use a little corn. <laughs> I don't understand what's so terrifying about that, but apparently that's terrifying to to uh, to stand. So <laughs> a lot of people don't like it. A lot really? of people, yes, uh, just hate it. They don't think that it belongs in it or it should be that size. People that. People that don't like small corn, y'all are interesting people. Let's just put it that way. Go ahead um, and send us a tweet. And, uh, send us a know, tweet, man. Win at the J, man. Tell reply. Tell me, yeah. Tell me why you don't like your mini corn. Tell me, tell me what's wrong with mini corn. I'd love to. I actually would. I mean, we'd love to get some interaction on this on this site going. And so, if you want to talk about mini corn, let's talk about mini corn. One thing I did have an issue with, and I, I was hoping you might be able to lend some insight in this as well, is so Klaus proceeds to to try and seduce Stan to put him in a body because. He says, you know, I was once a very famous German chef. I always was I always thought that Klaus was a German long jump skier. And yes. that's what he was before. So what so what? He's just a man for all seasons? He just kinda be whatever German you need him to be at any time? I, I think you know, I really feel like there wasn't just too much with it. I mean, again, could be very wrong and there could be a whole lot to go with it, but it just seemed like it was just, you know, a convenient plot filler. 
it, but it it definitely works as as finally he convinces he convinces Stan to give him a body, and this is what we've been waiting as fans. If we had been watching this from episode one, this is what we've been watching almost eighteen season or eighteen episodes to see. It's great, it's phenomenal because yeah, I mean the, the the actual setting of them going to the CIA lab and and doing the body switch is beautiful animation. It is. It's it's really nice. I kind of I was kind of had one eye on this while I was writing my notes. And that was kind of a sequence that I kind of I kind of really paid attention to of just like wow look at the colors look at the styles and it was really pretty prettily designed but of course all that is is irrelevant because the real the real beauty of the episode is Stan doing that fucking rocket dance man that kick it <laughs> that was great I I I still that's one of my favorite animations of American Dad ever because he's just floating there man and he's jamming and Francine of course is frustrated and goes off and that is when Klaus comes out and we see what body he has been given Guten Tag <laughs> Earth, wind, and fire cover band. They tried to overcharge us. Big mistake. Because I just wanted to touch on one thing before we completely go by it. This is the scene where the wolf finally breaks free from Roger's Roger's captivity, only to find that Francine had come home to find a Steve gagged and bound in a kimono in his bed. (laughs) I'm too tired to deal with this right now. <laughs> just opens a window. All you see is you hear the barks of puppies outside. Oh, it's really graphic too. Like they they let that go on a little bit too long for me to be comfortable. Like that was that was an actual dog in pain. That wasn't Deep Bradley Barker, or if it was Deep Bradley Barker, he's got a he's got a pretty sick voice um, voice to do for animals because that went on a little too long. <laughs> Because, like, the saddest part is the little puppy, like, gasping for air, mm-hmm. trying to get away <laughs> on top <laughs> oh of his window seal. And you just see him get, like, dragged down with his paws at the last bit. And you just hear that final, Arr! Yep. As the wolf finally jumps back in, sprays blood everywhere. So now you have the gag gone, the hands are unbound, and you've got blood all over Steve, mm-hmm. setting him up for his next phase. That's right, his big old finale, and that's that's a great that's a great segment. Um, I will say though, and in an episode that had a lot of segments that I will never forget. Klaus's little montage to September. I'm going to be honest with you, man. I didn't, I didn't know about Earth, Wind, and Fire when in 2006 until I watched this episode, and I could not get that song out of my head. And I, I remember playing that in, I guess, one of our family car rides. My dad is bopping along to Earth, Wind, and Fire, <laughs> and I just knew I was just that moment. It's like I've reached him. <laughs> like <laughs> we can finally connect on music, and it's like right on. This is this is great because it was September is a great song, man. It really is. As many times as it's overplayed, and again, it's overplayed in one particular month of the year. Surprise, surprise! But it's a great song. To and you get the whole "How many eggs do I need to plow your wife?" and he says about <laughs> three. My favorite part is you've got the whole condom selection thing, and he just grabs the garbage bag. <laughs> yep. It's it's counter to what you were thinking because you know you think you grab the trash bag it's like ah ha ha you know black dick joke and then suddenly it's like oh he's just filling it with medium condoms that's, that's really funny <laughs> it's totally not you couldn't see that coming at all so it was great you just get to go back to Stan waking up oh, to singing yeah. Seth MacFarlane singing September is a pretty great segment too <laughs> I gotta so, say it's not not that bad. <laughs> It's really not in character too. 
because it's very much Stan's voice that's singing it. So singing in September. I mean, oh God, Klaus! And so he races to the mall and and is trying to stop Klaus, and that is of course when he finds out three dollars for valet parking. <laughs> that's a total yeah. ripoff. I mean, so does that song have anything special to it by any chance? It yes, and I'm I'm so glad you asked because I too were I too thought about that. I was like, you know. I've heard that song a lot just because I rewatched this episode particularly a lot. And I, it is a remix of, let me get the notes and trivia up again. Thanks to the folks at Wikia for doing this. Uh, it is a remix, an instrumental remix of been there, done that by Dr. Dre. Cause I've got to say going to the valet and just hearing, sorry, I don't have change. That is the, you know, they're probably told to just say that, he could have made change. Oh, yeah. He very he wanted, easily. He just wanted Stan to suffer. <laughs> I can just picture the people at the uh, Atlanta Mall doing that around the Cheesecake Factory. Sir, I'm just not being paid enough to actually run out and get your car. I'll walk across the parking lot and get your car, but I'm not going to run. Because that's, that's the thing. I, that does kind of piss me off, and I just I guess it's just because, like, I don't know. Usually the areas that I'm driving through, you have to, like, watch out for running valets. But those valets that are just like, yes, sir, and just, like, take off in a sprint to get your car, like, calm it down there, champ. Calm it down. When you you're still going to tip you $2. It doesn't matter how fast you get there. See, so you say that, and then you've got Acne Boy McGee running his arse off. With the the forty meter sprint, and he's getting oh, the six dollar tips for track. <laughs> Thanks, sir. I needed new cleans. <laughs> Is that what it was like to run cross country? No, see, that's the thing. Is like we we were endurance people, so you know we were not a sprinting type of people. We, if you wanted us to. If you wanted us to run and tell the tell the Athenians that the Battle of Marathon was over and that the Athenians had defeated the Persians, we were your guys for sure. But not if you wanted us to go get your car, man, we're probably going to get pretty slow on the start. But we won't be breathing as heavily when you get to your car. So we'll at least be dignified when we turn in your car key. We're not going to get that pre-car sweat on. That's right, man. We, do, we, we don't sweat in cross-country. We glistened, man. We totally glistened. <laughs> Speaking of glistening, Klaus talking to Francine in the middle of the courtyard after buying out her kiosk for $1,000 for the last of the muffins just to get some time with her. Oh, well, that's very flattering, but, but I'm married. Oh, no, 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 you misunderstand me. Well, I find you exceedingly fly. I'm a uh, businessman who wants to discuss business. The one thing that really got me was the whole, Stan never offers me chips. <laughs> <laughs> no thank you i don't like chips <laughs> that taught me a lot about women right there that's a that's a smart joke right there that's a that's a joke you can learn from about to make this an actual dad podcast you just I'm, wait that's right man young man if you uh if you really want to treat a young lady with respect you pull her chair out from underneath her not while she's sitting in it obviously you doofus uh you pull a chair out for a lady you hold the door open for her and you offer her chips even if you know that even if you know she doesn't like them because she just likes to be offered sometimes we're gonna so move nice. on before we get too far into the there and we're gonna cut out to steve in the woods yes and barry being the the best of friends man because this is true friendship right here i love the whole toshi and just that you have shamed me by <laughs> offering me my greatest wish 
<laughs> with an old like little blunderbuss hand cannon. I'll say this. And it was kind of weird with you picking this out strictly from when Steve is touching Barry's boob. Oh, great what scene. What Barry says is Miss Piggy. <laughs> yeah. And we just got done getting back from the uh, SCAD Puppet Museum where it had a full exhibit for the uh, guy who did Sesame Street. <laughs> Jim Henson. <laughs> yeah, Jim Henson. And so you see, like, his workplace, and it has Miss Piggy up and everything in, like, two different incarnations of Miss Piggy. I was like, oh, God. I, I've been that close to her. <laughs> no, milady, Tis not my time. <laughs> First of all, that's a good friend right there. Hands down. If you're about to die or if you're about to get killed and your last wish is to touch a boob and you just have to touch your obese friend's boob, that's a good friend right there. And so Barry's a solid friend for doing that. And the Miss Piggy line is just phenomenal. <laughs> I'd, I'd let you give me a honk, but I, I figured it. Yeah, I was going to say if the chips were down when we were like 16 and I had I knew I was about to die. You, you'd let me give you'd let me give you a honk. You'd let me do a little bit. Anytime. <laughs> And you know what? Now I can return the favor. Now that I have a glorious set of moves myself, I can I can return the favor one day. Yeah, that's right. And I know I've seen you eye on me. I've seen you staring. But you know it could be you know it's even worse than honking my boobs without my permission there, Josh. Having Felicity run away after a I was gonna say respecting I was gonna say respecting Francine, but that works too. Felicity the Wolf. Great name. Dragged out into the woods after the setup of Steve popping out the hand cannon, Toshi being denied his greatest honor, and Barry allowing Steve to cop a feel. You've got Roger making his Christmas card in a Santa outfit with his wolf nice and chained up. Got the little reindeer horns on. And, of course, he freaks out with a flash and runs away. And you see the uh, the gun goes off. Steve falls down out of, out of view of everyone else. And the wolf just gets back up and runs over in front of him. And so when Steve finally comes to, he's cured now. At the same time that all that is going down, the Arbore- Arboreous gang is planning to go into the into the mall and make some cause some havoc. Who who did you get to make a flower pot that size, first off? <laughs> what did you it's, tell them it was for, second of all? <laughs> how would it feel to stay in wet dirt all day? Your legs have got to be soggy from the waist down. It's It's got to feel terrible. Because I'm assuming he's soiling himself while he's in there. It's just disgusting. This the stench is all I can think about. You know what? That's fertilizer though, so it helps it helps the tree grow. And you have the uh the main feature of the mall being blown up and you find out that hip hop has saved Stan's life. <laughs> and I've always been hoping that they'd go back <laughs> I do too. and explain this. Like I feel <laughs> like they're just saving it for another cutaway, but it also could have just been something that's forgotten. But I, I do really hope that they go back to that. I, I agree. If, if anyone in the writing staff is listening to this, please, please tell us the story of when hip-hop st- saves Stan's life. And yes, and so so we, we come to kind of a conclusion for everybody's story. Steve is saved from being a werewolf, and Haley kind of gets rid of the loser, the the environmentalist gang and everything like that. And she depots him. 
she deep pots him. Way to go. Way to go, Haley. When to, when to show that creep the door. Um, and, um, and yeah. And then, of course, Klaus had, had done some irreparable damage to Francine. He had respected her. Oh my God, you've respected her. But that is, that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I remember it's kind of going out with kind of a lame fish joke on, on Klaus's part, but that's our recap of uh, Finances with Wolves. So, Josh, if you were to rate this out of 10, what would you say you would rate this? Give it like an 8.4. It's a real solid episode. It's, you know, I mean, again, it's one of those watching it back in 2006, you do miss a whole lot with it. And it does make it more enjoyable, especially now to go back and see everything, especially with what all they could get away with. I agree. Some of them, some of them couldn't be done. And this is a running theme that we have through our podcast is some of these early Seth MacFarlane jokes would, would hit a whole lot harder in 2020, but, um, and this is this show has got its fair share, but it is the jokes that that still there are still a lot of great jokes that land are always really funny and will be funny for years and years to come. As long as people still listen to Dexy's Midnight Runners in the fu- Midnight Runners in the future, that one joke will always be just the most hilarious line. I want to say that 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 was the true inspiration to the song. They weren't I, making that up. I I have no doubt. I am sure that Dexy's got a much more dignified reason for that, but. We know the truth, man. We we all know the truth. Yeah, I'd say this is an eight out of ten for me. Uh, this is the fact if you can get everybody in the family to have a storyline. Some are better than others. I don't really care about Roger and the Wolf at all, and their totally Gilmore relationship. I I didn't care, but Steve is a werewolf is funny. Francine and and um and Stan's main character story arc was very good. Haley's was fine, but the fact that you could try and do all of the family in once instead of just doing, you know, the one main story and one side story was a nice thing to do. And especially this early on in the process, it allows us to kind of get a better sense of who these characters are and great writing, great jokes, great nostalgia factor for me again, with this being one of the earliest ones that I watched. So eight out of 10 for sure. Not a perfect episode, but nonetheless, a, a, a solid episode and a great representation of early family guy. And I mean, one thing that I you know, I I have kind of noticed rewatching and everything. And speaking of Barry, they kind of, you know, this was his season as a side character to mm-hmm. shine. They really gave him the spotlight. They really gave him everything, almost like they wanted him to be a little bit more. But they kind of got some backlash with what they thought about him or something like that, and just kind of kept it off. But it was it was really interesting because that is one of very few. Uh, you know, secondary characters that had almost a full progression. You finally get the full circle of it, be it in season 14, it took him a bit, but you do actually get it as opposed to Toshi. You know, I still feel like there's, you know, they've done a lot with him, but there is still more to branch off with. Yep. And snot, snot, they've, they've definitely branched. I think they've hit critical mass with snot. I think snot and Steve's relationship is, as we have discussed in previous episodes, a very interesting and clearly very complex relationship, but any, uh, closing remarks? No, no. I just, I, I think as a closing remark, I would just like to say that, you know, it's great to be, it's great to be doing this with you again. Um, unfortunately, you know, we've had some, we've had some troubles. We won't get deep into that cause it's not really any of the listeners business, but you know, we've had some some issues with technology that have, have kept us from being able to put out podcasts more consistently. I think this is the this is the turning of a corner, and we're going to get this done, and we're going to this is going to be a good episode, man. This is going to bring the folks back or bring them in for the first time, and 
And I, I really enjoy being kind of part of this, uh, this, this podcasting journey with you, friend. So that's a really sentimental thing to say before I even had a shot of whiskey, but <laughs> it's the truth. It's been a pleasure, and it will continue to be a pleasure. Indeed. So again, if y'all are, are looking to interact with us at all, um, check out our Twitter, uh, Win in the J-Man, W-I-N-N-A-N-D, the J-Man, all spelled out. Uh, in the meantime, thanks for listening. Josh, have an excellent rest of your night. Oh, you too. It's going to be right. a good weekend. Yes, sir. And we will see y'all next episode. You remember 24 stars September.